1: Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Round Ball Stew. It is Friday, February 12th. Today, as always on the Friday show, we will be looking at some recent fantasy trends. We will discuss some big name stars trending in opposite directions at the free throw line, plus a couple veterans finally showing signs of being early round players after frustrating starts. All of that and more coming up in just a second.
0: Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Right now, I'm joined by Ryan Knauss, as always, and look who's here on the Friday episode this week, Steve Alexander. What's up, guys?
3: Three-man weave.
4: (laughs) I like it. Three-man weave. Nice. Nice. Steve is repping Roto-World with his Roto-World hat from... From back in the day, we are now NBC Sports Edge, of course. But uh, if you haven't checked out Steve's article that he wrote recently, Goodbye, Rotor World, Hello, NBC Sports Edge, I highly recommend it. It's a a great read. Good look back at where Rotor World came from and the arc of Steve's uh, second second career, I guess. It's true. It's kind of the Steve Alexander origin story, I'd say.
3: Yeah. You know, I've been contacted by a couple uh, movie studios. They're trying to get the rights to my... Story yeah. uh, of how I how I got my start at Roto World twenty years ago and and also this hat uh, was already a collector's item because obviously the the logo is is an older one and and out of date and there there are probably none of these hats in existence anywhere except for this one. So you'd, Ryan's you'd be, got one.
4: You'd be wrong. because I
3: am holding one up. <laughs> Ryan's got one, but it looks a little ratty. <laughs> But anyway, oh, yeah, mine was
4: it, it's in my retired collection, but I'm uh, I'm holding on to it.
3: Well, the the great thing about the one I'm wearing is I gave it to a friend of mine as a gift, you know, when they came out in 2006 or whatever, and uh he was not a big fan of the hat, and he put it in his closet and just left it there, and he found it one day <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, do you want this back?" and it was like brand new out of the package a year ago. So that's what I got going. So if, if you're interested in purchasing this hat for some stupid amount of money, please get in contact with me and we'll, we'll work out work out a deal.
1: <laughs> I think my mom has mine. I need to check on the condition and see if I can get it back from her because I'm not sure she's using it. If that value is going to spike, I want that back. Mom, I want the hat back. <laughs> All right, guys, let's talk about some recent things that have happened in the fantasy basketball world. I know no other place to start than with Al Horford. He went off again on Thursday night. Wednesday night? He went off again on Wednesday night. I don't know what day it is. He went off on Wednesday night. 25 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 4 steals, 1 block, 1 3-pointer. It may not even be his best game of the last couple of weeks. That's how good Horford has been in 7 games since returning from the birth of a child. He's averaged 18.7 points, 7.1 boards, 4.4 dimes, 2.1 steals, 1.3 blocks, two point seven three Steve, you said on the Wednesday episode that you have some trust issues with Horford. At what point are you going to put those in the past?
3: Well, you know, I, use, I used him in DFS the game before that, and he really kind of fizzled. And, of course, I did not have him in my lineup on Wednesday night when he went bonkers again. You love what Al Horford is doing. You should. The numbers have been pretty sick. I mean, I just don't know if he's going to be traded. I don't know when he's going to get a night off. He's got those young guys pushing him for some of those minutes. So I, I do still have some trust issues. But uh, clearly, if you catch him on the right night, he's going to help you.
4: Yeah, the right night or or the right string of weeks, I suppose, recently since his his daughter was born. He's averaging what would be a career high in scoring. He's nearly doubling his previous career high in three-pointers and steals. Uh, the guy's averaged more than 0.9 steals once before in his career, as I said on a previous pod, yet he's at 2.2, I believe, since he's come back uh, from, from his absence. So he's just playing at a ridiculous level. And I'm with Steve. I don't think it'll last for a couple reasons. the The trade aspect. I mean, he's 34 years old. He's on a team with the second worst record in the Western Conference. Can they trade him? I don't know because he's owed 42 million dollars fully guaranteed over the following two seasons. So I don't know that 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 contract is movable. And if he doesn't get traded, he's a glaring shutdown risk. As I said, 34 year old veteran on a team that's going nowhere fast so I'm skeptical I still think this is probably the high water mark for him this season so uh, I'd be getting getting while the getting's good if I if I had him on my roster
1: yeah I mean it's not like you're gonna get anything dramatic for Horford I don't think in like a one-for-one trade in a fantasy league maybe he it's a great time to include him in a multiplayer trade or something like that I personally have him in one of my leagues that I care the most about and I'm just Riding this car to the end of the road, I'm just gonna see how far this thing can go. This old jalopy. Didn't you get him off the waiver wire, Matt? I did get him off the waiver wire in that league. Yes. So thank you for
4: that. Well, there you go.
3: Speaking of waiver wires, I got Hamidou Diallo off the waiver wire last night in our Roto World Draft Show League. I'm not sure how that's possible. Alice teammate.
4: I've been grabbing the uh, Teo left and right. I, I there's a lot of young players on the Thunder that I am high on. <laughs> Just uh, you know, Horford doesn't doesn't fit the criteria. All right, while well, while these two
1: hate on Al Horford for being almost 35 years old, well let's move on to <laughs> Oh, yes, a little free throw talk. Giannis scored a season high 47 points on Wednesday night. But what I really want to talk about is the free throw shooting, fellas. He made 17 of 21 in that game. And if you look at his last five, he's making them at a 76.8% clip. This after shooting 59.3% in his first 19 games. So you have 19 games bad, five games pretty good. Steve, do you have any optimism here that Giannis is fixing his free throw glitch?
3: Not really. Uh, I mean, last night was impressive. I had that game on in the background while I was working, and I think it was Doris Burke was talking about Giannis and his free throw shooting, I swear, it seemed like for an hour straight. And, you know, he doesn't have confidence at the line, and he was a better free throw shooter two years ago than he is now, yada, yada, yada. But 17-21 and 21 last night, maybe he needs to play on national TV more often, but... I think at some point he's going to have to fix his free throw game uh, to get to even on higher level than his MVP self is already at. But uh, I don't think it's going to be this year. I think the free throws are going to continue to roller coaster up and down and end up somewhere like 60-something percent.
4: Yeah. I mean, do I think that he magically fixed his free throw shooting two weeks ago? No. Uh, He shot... 58% 58% for the entire month of January, right? So the fact that he's at 70, whatever it is, percent over a five-game span doesn't really do much for me. Um, even with this hot stretch, he's tying his 63% from last year, which was a career low. So no, his, his free throw shot is broken. His three-point shot is still broken. Teams just beg him to shoot from the arc. And, you know, he, he'll he hit some, I don't know, what, what is he at? some Probably somewhere... Upper 20% from the arc would be my guess without looking. But I, that's who you drafted, right? Like everyone knew that that's who Giannis was. So, hey, if he gets on a hot stretch and you win free throw percentage one week because he, he got hot, great. That's just icing on the cake because um, he's doing everything else.
3: He also missed a game winning mid-range jumper Wednesday night.
1: So far on this episode, I, I feel like I'm here trying to bring the optimism and you
4: guys are just out here slamming people we're two for two with you guys just well how about this Giannis okay his percentage might not be great but like I have him on rosters in a points league, and it's glorious to have him there. I have him in a league that's free throws made, not free throw percentage. He's fantastic. So it's all about, you know, I, I try to emphasize the positive. I'm saying, you know, yes, he's a poor free right. throw shooter, but that's okay, because that's who he is. You know, let's not let's not rag on him for, for what he doesn't do. Yeah, that's more like it. That's yeah. more like it. Okay.
3: I had him in a DFS lineup Wednesday night. He was the number one player from that night. So There. Thanks, Giannis.
1: How's that for optimism? Yeah, I feel better now. All right. Meanwhile, career 80% free throw shooter Anthony Davis is sitting at 70.2% this season, a career low. That's mainly because he has shot 65.8% over his last 10 active games. Ryan, does this one give you pause at all or any cause for concern?
4: A little bit of cause for concern, not so much because the percentage is poor. I'm a little more concerned at the fact that he's only getting to the line six times per 36 minutes this season. So on a per 36 minute basis, he's averaging his lowest scoring since 2013, uh, career low in rebounds and rebound rate, his lowest free throw attempts since he was a rookie, again, per 36 minutes, and a career low in blocks. So there's just an overall sort of decline in his stats. His win shares are also at a career low, a couple other advanced metrics. And I think what it might be is just you're, you're looking at A veteran who's coming off a long run to a championship, the shortest offseason in NBA history. And not everybody is as much of a physical freak as LeBron James, who said the other night Mm -hmm. after playing an overtime game to reporters at 1030, hey, if I warmed up right now, I could play another game. And AD has been a staple of the injury report. We laugh it off a lot because he's constantly on there and had been playing but it was all on the right side of his body. Now he's out with right Achilles tendinosis. So I think there's something there. A little wear and tear has been dragging him down. And hopefully, you know, he's missed a couple games. Hopefully this gets him right. And he's back to that top five player that we know and love.
3: I feel like I'm in a college classroom right now. And everybody has the syllabus except for me. But having said that, I'm I'm not that concerned about 80's free throw percentage. But... Just some of the games he's had this season, they're just not very AD-like. And, like, there was a time, you know, a couple of years ago where if you were setting a DFS lineup and you didn't have him in there, he was likely going to burn you and the rest of, you know, everybody else for, like, 80 Fandu, Fandu hmm. points or whatever. Uh, but he's got, like, a 13-point game, a 17, 18, 17, 17, 18, 19 stretch of, you know, five in a row. I just don't feel like he is the same guy uh, that we've seen in the past. And it's probably because he's conserving energy and waiting for the playoffs to get here. Because short off season, short season, LeBron clearly is ready to carry the load right now. So I think AD's just biding his time and waiting until the games uh, matter a little bit more.
1: Great news! If you drafted him in fantasy, he does not care about these games that much. Hey, Ryan. (laughs) Speaking of college classrooms, that Steve mentioned a second ago, what's the difference between Achilles tendinosis and Achilles tendinitis? Do you know, Ryan? It's a good question (laughs) because I don't. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I legit don't know. So I'm not like I don't have the answer, and I'm putting you on the spot. No, I get it. On the spot, and I don't have the answer. My
4: impression has always been that tendinosis is a little more of a long-term wear and tear kind of chronic thing that has crept up, but I, I honestly, the nuance of that distinction, uh, I, I should know and we'll have to look up. <laughs> and nor should we spend any more time on it. I was just, I was surprised to hear the osis at the end when you were about to say tendonitis, that's all. Tendinitis is caused by inflammation, whereas tendinosis is a chronically damaged tendon. <laughs> with disorganized fibers and a hard, thickened, scarred, and rubbery appearance to the tendon. Wow, that sounds horrible. His fibers are disorganized?
1: (laughs) His fibers are disorganized. (laughs) Yikes. Oh. All right. let's, Let's move on to our next trend that we noticed. John Collins poured in 33 points with eight boards in a ridiculously maddening Hawks loss on Wednesday night that I don't wanna debrief on in any way, shape, or form. So let's just talk about Collins. Over his last nine games, 22.8 points, 8.3 boards, 1.1 blocks, 2.2 threes. Percentages are just out of this world. Nearly 60% from the field, nearly 47% on threes, and 91 from the line during that stretch. Now, over that nine-game sample, sure you can pick any random nine-game sample you want, but this is his last nine games. Collins is 17th overall in nine category leagues. Looks like he has finally figured out his role, playing next to Clint Capella in this offense. Is finally ready to validate me spending a second round pick on him in a bunch of leagues. Steve, don't ruin my buzz here. Do you agree? Uh, who did they play on Wednesday? Uh, the Hawks. Some some middling, some pretty bad Western Conference team. I don't remember. It was a
3: oh. Oh right. Okay. Uh well, I'll tell you what. Johnny Collins has been really fun to watch. I think I've been most impressed by the three-point shooting. Like he's been he looks like a three-point shooter now and that was not the case a couple of years ago. He's crushing it at the free throw line for some reason that seems to be a hot topic today. Uh but yeah, I mean Collins looks really really good and I know you and some of us caught some heat for having him ranked so highly uh coming into the season in terms of fantasy but while he may not end up being a first round talent i think he's gonna be second round and third at the worst so he's fine
4: yeah i I think one key is i mean c pointed out the three-point shooting for the second year in a row above 40 percent from deep that's huge in today's nba and huge allowing him to play alongside Capella, right? Like, you need a a stretch four in that role. So uh, great that he can do that. I think DeAndre Hunter being out is giving him a couple more shot attempts because we saw six single-digit shot attempts for Collins through the first month of the season. Now, in that stretch, I would highly doubt that he's had single-digit attempts in that stretch you just cited. What worries me a little bit more long term is the rebounding effect because obviously Capella just gobbles up everything in sight. Collins is a guy who averaged double digit boards last year, but he's I think he's only had one double digit rebound game in the past two weeks. So that's that's one thing that worries me in terms of a long term problem that won't be solved.
1: Yeah, so maybe you know you have to live with something like twenty and eight with a block and threes and great percentages, which maybe that's the second round guy that Steve was talking about. Yep.
3: I also think his his numbers would look a little bit better if whatever that weird 10-day thing him and Trey Young went through together was... I mean, that impacted both of those guys' numbers because they were both just weird for a couple weeks. But they've ironed all their issues out, apparently. Uh, now the Hawks just have to start winning games.
1: Would be nice. It would be nice. I can do a whole different episode about that. But we're not going to do that. We are going to move onward to our next topic. The adage goes, guys, be careful with rookie point guards in fantasy. There have been a couple examples of that, why that is the case. But we're also seeing that idea really smashed in a couple of cases. LaMelo Ball obviously is one, but I want to talk about Tyrese Halliburton, who in the month of February is averaging nearly 15.5 points, four and a half boards, five assists, 1.6 steals, 0.6 blocks, 3.23s, He's shooting, this month, 56 from the field, 57 on threes, just one turnover a game. So, for the season, Basketball Monster has him at 43 overall in nine category leagues. I don't want to get too far into it, but on the Wednesday episode, Jared and I were talking about how some players can present a little bit of a mirage in ranking systems because of if they have super low turnovers, for example, or a high field goal percentage on low volume. It's a little bit of that with Halliburton's turnovers, I think, but... The bottom line is he's really useful. How valuable do you have Halliburton Ryan overall?
4: Pretty valuable. I mean, I think because even for a cap value, he's hovering around top 50. So if you want to throw out that turnover mirage potential, he's still a solid mid-round guy. And, you know, he's a rookie who was a little older coming in People said maybe he's more NBA ready, and sure enough, he he's he's hit the ground running in a in a major way. Uh, just the efficiency is really what stands out, shooting incredibly well from the field. His three point percentage is something wild, forty six percent almost from deep. Uh, he's fifty seven percent in February. Small sample size, but still, uh, he's a playmaker. We saw he missed a couple games early in the season, like early January, I believe. And the Kings were already talking about, well, we can't wait for Tyrese to come back and make plays for us. We need to, we need other guys to step up. And like we're talking about a rookie who only had six games under his belt, and he was that integral to what Sacramento was doing that they they needed veterans to step up to replace his contribution. So uh, I'm a believer. I think, you know, you watch him night in and night out. He's doing the same thing, playing efficiently. There's there's nothing fluky about his performance. Um, And the Kings need him to be really good coming off the bench, leading the second unit. So I love his role. I like what I've seen. I think he's a solid top 50 guy. I wouldn't go too much higher than that, though.
3: Yeah, I agree with all of that. Like watching him play... He knows how to play NBA basketball already. He he does not look like a rookie. And if De'Aaron Fox was not there holding him back, I mean, I think Halliburton would just be running circles around the rest of the, his rookie class right now. Now he's, he's kind of battling with LaMelo, I think, more than anybody. But, you know, I watch him play. I don't feel like the low turnovers are an accident, and I think they are very helpful to his fantasy game. And he's got high basketball IQ. He just looks right on the court. I love watching him play. And um, I think the Kings got a real steal.
4: Don't you think he's got that element to his game that's, you know, typically described as like you can't rush him. Like he knows how to get to his spots. He's slow. He's confident. And he doesn't he doesn't make those, you know, over overreacting mistakes that you see frequently from rookies where they're, the game is too fast. Uh, it, he came in with the game slowed down. So I, I love it. We talked about the Hawks a little bit. Having watched
1: how much the Hawks use Kevin Herter as a secondary ball handler when Trey Young is either being trapped by the Mavericks or for whatever reason, (laughs) it's brutal to me that the Hawks passed on Halliburton. Honestly, he'd be a fantastic fit as a bigger guard who can play on the ball or off the ball with Trey Young. It would have been perfect, but we don't live in that world, so I'm going to emotionally try to
2: move on from that.
0: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
1: Hey, Steve, a minute ago you said you felt like a college kid who didn't have the syllabus. I just wanted to unpack that for a second. Was that because you felt like I didn't prepare you, or uh, where did that come from?
3: Uh, that came from... You throwing it to Canaus and him just launching into stat-filled, pre-planned, incredible takes on some of this stuff, and I, I, I'm, I was just in awe of it. I was a little jealous. I'm just, I'm just sort of sitting over here, clueless.
4: That's just Ryan riffing off the top of his head. That's just off the top of Ryan's head. There's, there's no pre-planning. Right. Me and, me and my friend BasketballReference.com just uh, getting it
3: done. Yeah, but you're pulling this stuff up like my computer. It, I must, I believe that the internet service provider that I use is a hamster on a wheel in my basement. <laughs>
1: All right. The last topic I've got on my list is it appears that one of the most frustrating players of this entire early season, and I'm talking, of course, about Robert Covington, is back? Question mark. Last four games for him, eleven and a half points, 9.0 boards, 2.0 steals. blocks, 2.53s. That's his last four games before Thursday. Steve, are you comfortable saying that the Rocco we love in fantasy leagues has returned?
3: I don't know. My thing is, with Portland having that many injured guys, if Rocco didn't step up and start playing, there was going to be major, major issues. So the fact that he's still not really, and he's not really the talk of of fantasy land right now he's just he's sort of doing what he's what he's supposed to do on most nights so when everybody's healthy again is he gonna is he gonna crawl back into his hole I don't know but he what a disappointing fantasy player he has been this season it's been rough
4: yeah he's he's been really bad um to Steve's point like even without Nurkic and without CJ McCollum he's still averaging under nine shots per game in february which tells you plenty about how terry stotts views his role in the offense etc so you need the defensive stats and boards to be there which they are fortunately uh he'll hit plenty of three-pointers i still like him simply because he's getting a little bit of momentum and there's always a one-month stretch where he just dominates like he's going to average two and a half steals and a block and a half per game or more hit threes you know, average nine boards and won't hurt you anywhere. And I want to be there for that because it happens every year, like clockwork and he'll be a top 20 guy for a three week stretch or something. And, you know, if you're lucky, that happens during fantasy playoffs. And so that's why I said in a previous pod that I would take him over Harrison Barnes, just because I, we've seen his upside as that elite kind of early round guy in Roto, eight cat, nine cat. So I want to, I want to be there for that.
3: The thing that makes me mad is Roko used to really bother me. Like, it, it, like three or four years ago, his, his field goal percentage when he was in Philadelphia would be so brutal on some nights. It was almost impossible to trust him. And back then, he hadn't really developed that all-around fantasy game that he has now. So I, it's kind of frustrating for me that, you know, it took like eight years for me to finally buy into the Roko uh thing and then when I do go all in, hype him up, draft him everywhere, uh, he does this. So I'm I'm a little I'm a little sour. A little salty. Well I mean
1: (laughs) sour and salty. That's a real double whammy there. The positive slant I'll put on this is that you guys talked about his role in the offense. You know, once everyone's back healthy, that could be an issue. But I mean now that we are seeing those peripheral stats, Roko is a guy, I'm okay if he's scoring nine points a game if he's going to get boards and steals and blocks and he's shooting better finally uh from three so maybe he's not going to average 12 13 points once they're at full strength but all you really are asking for is some steals some blocks some boards and some threes in this case especially given how badly things started this year so just
4: that's true let him be the quintessential three and d guy and you and you'll go home happy
1: all right, well, guys, that's all I have on my list. Anything you want to uh, add or bring to the table before we get out of here? We'll start with you, Steve. Any any closing thoughts?
3: Shout out to Slow Mo. Career high six triples on Wednesday night. All of them in super slow motion, HD, high def. I tell you, man, when Kyle Anderson gets hot, I, I really like watching him play. I like the whole slowness of his shot <laughs> attempts and... I mean, six six threes in one game for that guy is quite an accomplishment. So, way to go, slow-mo. I wonder
1: how many leagues Kyle Anderson was dropped in for the back-to-back games, February 2nd and 4th, when he scored six and three points on a combined two of 14 shooting. Because I know I have him in multiple leagues, and I was like, I had my finger on the button. I was like, I'm done with this. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. Like, he's done. He wasn't playing much. But he's bounced back since then with 21, 15, and 27 points in three games. So... Early season, Kyle Anderson looks like he's back.
3: Him and Dylan Brooks both. Those those two teammates are really one of the more interesting duos in the league. No, Brooks I could do without for fantasy.
4: But slow, slow-mo, I feel like there's a lot of skepticism there and everyone keeps waiting for the other shoe to drop. So I don't blame you for having your finger hovering over the, the cut button
1: there, Matt. Not anymore, though. Not anymore. He's bought himself like three to five...
4: More weeks. He's bought himself right until Jaron Jackson Jr. returns.
3: <laughs> he saw his shadow. <laughs> Three more weeks of slow-mo.
1: <laughs> Ryan, any any parting thoughts for you? Any play, Anything you want to mention
4: for me? No, I'm going to be keeping an eye out for that Marvel production of Steve's origin story. You can read the script right now on NBC Sports Edge. I hear Guillermo del Toro has been cast uh, in the lead role. So, yeah, no, that's it. I heard there was also some talk it might be a TV movie. Is that true, Steve?
3: Uh, yeah, there's, there's, we're talking about that. I mean, there's books, there's <laughs> there's video games, there's t- TV shows. There's a lot going on right now. In fact, my agent's calling me right now on the other it's, line. It's humble of you um, to
4: stay here with us.
3: Yeah, I probably won't be doing this podcast <laughs> again. I've got, bigger, I've got bigger fish to fry at this point.
1: Steve's farewell pod all right well it's been great having you Steve it's been it's been a hell of a run congratulations on uh, on your new success
3: hey thanks we'll uh, we'll see you next Friday see you Steve
1: all right that is going to do it for us don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify wherever you listen take a second to rate and review us as well we are here every Monday Wednesday and Friday I'm off to go study up on the difference between tendonitis and tendinosis Thanks to all of you for listening. Ryan, Steve, thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Bye.
2: Dietz Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there
0: will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.